Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. After the apocalypse, a pandemic survival story. Season 4, episode 13. Drax. They hiked up a twisting two-lane back road with no shoulders. They were a half-day walk south of the campus now. The narrow road scaled a bluff on the west side of the river. Tangled vegetation leaned in on the uphill side. The land dropped away precipitously on the downhill side behind a rusted metal traffic barrier. It felt constricting and dangerous. Before the apocalypse, traffic alone would have made this a dangerous place for pedestrians. If a vehicle came, the only escape was to dive into the harsh landscape on either side. There was no place to hide. It was the kind of road the old man hated to run on before the apocalypse. He remembered clinging to the slim margin of the cracked tarmac edge, facing oncoming traffic, ready to leap into the bushes when some local yokel in a careening pickup truck came too close for comfort. They walked up the road warily, three of them out front, the old man, the older kid, Stevie, and Bill the dog leading the way. Zane and the other kid, Warren, followed, back with a few meters of separation. Willie, spaced another few meters behind them, brought up the rear. A truck rested on its roof a hundred feet below. The truck had torn through the barrier and rolled down the bank. A piece of guardrail hung in the air like a rotten bed spring. A chunk of the roadway was missing, and a rough path of flattened bushes led down. The old man stood side by side with Stevie, looking down from the edge of the precipice. Maybe I should go down and check, Stevie said. What for? The old man replied, We don't need to. Let's not waste the time. Stevie shrugged. Might be something good. Guns, ammo. I mean, if they made it this far, they were probably carrying supplies. Not worth it, the old man said and kept walking. We can come back later if we need to. 
I don't want to get caught out on this road. There's no place to go. Bill the dog lifted a leg and peed on the twisted guardrail. Watch the dog, the old man said. If he alerts, head for the brush on the uphill side. We're pretty close to the path, Stevie replied. Should be right up here. Around the next corner, Bill stopped and pointed ahead to an object in the road. A body lay on the edge of the ditch. It was in the fetal position, one leg straight, the other curled like the person had been trying some new floor exercise in a yoga class. The old man held a hand up to wave Zane back, and they approached the body carefully. Soosh! The old man instructed Bill, who dutifully moved forward, head down to inspect the situation. The old man in Petey crouched and scanned the road and hills ahead for any threats. The dog sniffed around the body and eventually looked up with what the old man interpreted as an all-clear. The old man in Petey cautiously joined the dog. It was the body of an older male, maybe in his forties or fifties. The old man pushed the body with his foot and jumped back when something furry darted into the brush. Jeez, he said, breathing hard, like that give a guy a heart attack. This wasn't a plague victim like the thousands of other bodies he'd seen in the last nine months. This was no bag of bones. This man had died recently. The animals had been working on the soft parts of his face. What was left of the man's head was caved in. It looked like he was beaten to death while trying to shield himself with his arms and hands. I don't remember seeing this here when we came by last week, Stevie said. This happened recently, the old man concluded, looking around. He didn't see any maggots in the open wounds under the man's graying beard. He'd seen enough dead bodies to know this body wasn't more than two to three days old. Don't see too many old ones anymore, Stevie sniffed. What do you mean? asked the old man. Well, at first there were more old people, but not so many now. You mean most of the survivors that are left are younger? The old man probed. Yeah, Stevie confirmed. The old man thought about it. It made sense on the surface that younger, healthier people would survive the plague at a higher rate. Although that wasn't always true historically, the flu pandemic of World War I killed young adults predominantly. Pandemic scientists theorized that back then, the older population had been exposed to a similar flu variant and had immunity that the young men going off to war did not. That meant this plague was novel, something the older immune systems had never seen. 
The old man filed that away for later. In this plague, the young stood a better chance. Older humans weren't as well designed to handle the chaos and violence of this post-apocalyptic world. Being strong, quick, and fast to heal were the keys to survival now. And that favored the young, like Petey here, and Zane, and Willie. The corpse's jacket had been ripped open, and his pockets were turned out. Papers were crumpled around him, and a roll of dog-eared $100 bills lay in the road by his crushed head. How's your 401k looking now, buddy? The old man thought darkly. He waved the all clear to Zane and Warren, and the group moved on, working their way up the road. Ten minutes later, Petey found the granite mile marker that he had been looking for and slipped into a concealed path behind a fallen tree that switched back down into a steep, narrow tree-lined gully. The old man sent the dog ahead and waited for Zane and Warren to catch up. Stay back, but don't lose sight of us, he instructed. Tell Willie. Zane was uncomfortably cradling a 20-gauge shotgun. Paul and Mags wanted them to be armed, but the old man's shoulder wasn't recovered enough to bear the weight. Zane had little experience with guns, and they thought better of arming the two kids. So, after some discussion, they had equipped Zane with a shotgun and some birdshot. Worst case, he could make some noise, send tree bark flying, and scare the attackers off. Point and shoot. The scatter gun could buy them time. They had plenty of 20-gauge ammo, and it wouldn't make their arsenal any less effective if Zane had to ditch the shotgun and run. They could afford to lose it. The path down into the gully was clear and reasonably wide. At some point, it had been constructed and maintained for hiking— Pine needles accumulate in the flat sections, and the remainder was rocky gravel covered in last season's oak leaves. There were logs laid as drainage breaks near the switchbacks. At the bottom of the narrow ravine, the brook cascaded out into a more open valley, splashing through rocks and settling in pools. A wooden bridge stretched across it. Stevie was moving quickly, clearly with a purpose, and the old man with the dog jogged along behind, trying to keep up and stay cautious at the same time. They came to a waterfall, dropping into a rocky pool where the path was cut into the side of an overhanging bank. Stevie plunged ahead. Before they had taken ten steps, Bill the dog stopped in his tracks and alerted, his growl and bark muffled by the sound of the falling water. The old man dropped to one knee and searched for the source of Bill's attention. Petey kept moving. 
There was a flash of tawny brown, and a young buck jumped into the clearing on the opposite bank, looking at them with startled fixation. Its tail twitched, and its ears were up. Two smaller does walked behind it and turned to look across the stream at the man and dog who were interlopers in their wooded veil. Easy, Bill, the old man said. Just some deer. Just then, the three deer flushed. They flexed their legs and exploded up the hill with great leaps, disappearing into the brush. As Petey turned to look back at the old man, a figure jumped out of the shadow of the bank and grabbed him around the neck, brandishing a knife. The old man turned to run back the way he had come, but two more figures stepped out to block his way. One was wielding a machete, and the other a handgun. He thought quickly. His only escape path was into the stream, but if he went that way, he would lose Petey and his chance to see the girl. If he stayed put, he could end up like this buddy down the road there— with a bashed-in head for the vermin to feast on. He could fight, but he didn't have a weapon. He had left his crossbow at the campus. His shoulder was still too damaged to carry it. He didn't want Bill going up against the machete and the handgun in this combined space. The best play, he calculated, was to play for time and let the others catch up. Hey! He shouted over the waterfall, hoping it was loud enough for Zane to hear. What do you guys want? Why are you ambushing us? Shut up, old man, one of the men said. Get on your knees. The old man started to reply that they had been watching too much TV and this wasn't a movie, but remembered that no one had been watching TV or movies for almost a year and his bravado would fall flat. On closer inspection, none of the three were more than 20 years old. Although it was hard to tell their age through the grime of the apocalypse, their faces were gaunt and hollow. They had scabby beards and dirty clothes. And another time, they might have easily been mistaken for homeless old men themselves. This wasn't a great situation. It didn't look like the apocalypse was treating them well. They had probably used up all their humanity to survive this far. The one holding Stevie wielded a large hunting knife, but enforced his will with his forearm, squeezing the kid's windpipe in a chokehold. Stevie's eyes bulged, and his face was red. His two hands clawed weakly at the arm that clutched his throat. One of the men, the old man decided to call him Toothy, smiled a dirty tooth grin. "'We come looking for venison!' But it looks like we're having dog, Bill growled, hackles raised. Keep that dog back, mister, or I'll cut his head off, Toothy said, gesturing with the machete. Take it easy, son, the old man replied with calm. We don't want any trouble. You don't get a say in the matter, mister, 
the one with the handgun said and began inching closer. The old man decided to call him Gunman. Take off your pack and throw it here and hold on to the dog or I'll put a hole in it. He threatened. The old man dropped his pack, took a step, bent and grabbed Bill's harness. The big dog was taut like a coiled spring, ready to wreak havoc on command. The old man could feel the dog's muscle quivering with adrenaline. One whispered command, and the dog would become a berserker on these two. But the old man didn't want to risk it. Bill had given too much already. He leaned forward to talk into the big dog's ear. Lauf, he said to the dog. The dog looked at the old man with confusion in his eyes. The old man repeated the command louder with emphasis. Lauf, and slapped Bill's rear end. Obediently, instantaneously, Bill the dog bolted past the two men, sprinted down the path, and disappeared up the trail the way they had come. Toothy waved his machete in the empty space of the dog's passing and stumbled. Gunman tracked the dog's flight but made no attempt to fire. "'What's the matter, hoss?' the old man asked sardonically. "'Out of bullets!' The man looked chagrined and angry. He stuck the pistol in a pocket, hefted a pole with a crude metal tip. I don't need a gun to end you, old timer. Sweet Jesus, they're using spears, the old man thought. What kind of Lord of the Flies crap was the world turning into? Toss the pack and empty your pockets, or I'll have Larry twist your friend's head off. Gunman continued, trying to salvage what he could from the encounter. No, the old man said. You put your weapons down. Why would we do that? Because if you don't, I'll have my friend Zane turn you into hamburger helper. The old man said, wondering if these kids even knew what hamburger helper was. To back up his point, the old man motioned to Zane, who stepped out of the shadows a few feet back of the trail with the shotgun leveled. He had the dog by his side. Bill did not look happy. You forgetting Larry still has your friend by the neck? He's not really my friend, the old man replied. And you threaten my dog. I'll kill him, Larry screamed with a bit of panic in his voice. You'll die too, came a soft voice from behind Larry as he felt Willie's blade poking his side where his liver was. Drop your weapons, the old man commanded. After a few seconds of tension with Bill inching forward growling, their bravado started to deflate, First Toothy, then Gunman, and finally the third, who the old man had not had a chance to nickname, complied. Petey, having been released, kicked the man with no nickname in the shins while massaging his bruised neck. Asshole, he said hoarsely. 
Zane and Bill herded the men against the cliff face and held them there at gunpoint. Willie, Petey, Warren, and the old man conversed out of earshot. What are we going to do with these jokers? The old man asked. We could kill them, Petey said, but quickly followed up with, But that's probably not a good idea. They're probably members of one of the gangs, and if they found out, they'd hunt us down and make an example. Petey asked loudly, Are you part of a crew? We're Southside, Larry spoke up. You mess with us, and you mess with the crew. What then? the old man asked. We can't take them with us. I have an idea, Willie said. Petey shook his head, and the old man suppressed a laugh as toothy gunmen and no nickname ran naked up the trail. You don't think they'll come back more pissed off? The old man asked. I don't think so. Willie said, as weird as it seems, gangs are an honor culture. They'll lose face if they tell it the way it happened. This is outside their territory anyhow, Petey added. Well, let's not be here when they come back, just in case they come back, the old man said. They threw the men's clothes into the woods and covered them with leaves. Willie stuffed the empty pistol into her pack. The old man took the homemade spear to use as a walking stick. Zane took the big knife and a couple of other items. Come on, let's move. It's not far now, Petey urged. Brent had said his goodbyes after the meeting and flown back to the bunker in the chopper with the general. There wouldn't be too many more of these flights. Aviation fuel was in short supply, there were no competent mechanics for the machines, and their one pilot was barely a pilot. The general had been silent and thoughtful on the trip back. He asked for a debriefing when they landed. Now... Brent sat in the general's office, watching him give Maisie a treat in exchange for a handshake. Good girl, the general praised. He turned to Brent. What was your appraisal of the meeting, son? I don't think the situation has changed much, sir. They're all willing to cooperate in a basic way, but I don't think they'll contribute any significant resources or people to your project. That was my read as well, the general agreed. He stood and looked out the window as if seeing a point far beyond the horizon and concluded, they'll help us. They just don't know it yet. It's inevitable. He turned and looked at Brent, fixing him with his eyes and said, we've all got to do our duty. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, my survivor friends. How are we doing? Me? Well, I'm feeling that winter cabin fever. You know, this time of year, I don't know whether it's the cold weather, the snow and ice, the lack of sunlight, but it gets to me. I feel like some blanched and withering thing, some creature huddled underground waiting for better days. It's just not natural. Humans need to run free and breathe the air and feel the sun of the endless savanna. And I can't help thinking metaphorically about the various sci-fi stories where a character is in a spaceship or a deep-sea pod or a small survival bunker. And the stories will will sometimes play with this, play with the claustrophobia and the dehumanizing nature of being constricted to a small space. And sometimes they just ignore it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this time of year, I think I'd fall on the side of Jack Nicholson's character in The Shining. Another fine Stanley Kubrick offering, by the way. We have been having quite the robust <laughs> conversation on our Facebook group about these outro comments and whether they are good, bad, or too long, too short, whatever. So anyhow, it's great to have the conversation, get some feedback, because podcasting is a bit of a one-way medium, and I like, I like talking to people, frankly. I like the community. I get it. I get the fact if you're one of those folks that's binge listening through, you know, the seasons or just here for the story, having to cross a deep, polluted river of words to get to the next chapter can be a pain. And like I said, I get that. Because I, too, I listen to a pile of podcasts and I listen to narrative podcasts like this. And I like to binge through them, especially during my workouts, my long workouts. And this makes it difficult for me because I can't get to my phone if I'm out in the middle of a run someplace. So I can't skip those commercials and I can't skip the stuff in the middle. So I feel your pain, especially when it's poorly targeted advertising. I'm talking to you, cosmetic ads, or it's repetitive. But on the other hand, it's part of my creative process. I really enjoy doing this. It helps me digest the, the thinking 
and the work that I'm doing, I truly value the conversation. So I'm going to keep doing it, but I promise keep it short, a thousand words or less, and try to keep it relevant, add value, because I think that's the real differentiator, right? Does it add value? This week, I'm going to share a really good series of short stories in a collection about the apocalypse that editor Dave shared with me. And this collection of short stories is called Wastelands 2, More Stories of the Apocalypse, edited by John Joseph Adams. Now, Dave found this in one of those little free libraries that are popping up all over the place where I live, which, just so you appreciate my restraint, I am not now going to go off on a 500-word rant about how books used to be so valuable they had to be shackled and chained to the shelves. And now people are buying $400 windowed boxes on poles just to get rid of them. I'm not going to do that. thousand words. Okay, back to the story. Editor Dave told me that I really need to read a story called The Postman that was in this collection by David Brin. And I thought to myself, The Postman? Wasn't that a movie in the 90s with Kevin Costner? And yes, it's the one and the same. And this postman is more of a novella than a short story. Uh, it's really good. It plays on the theme that certain ideas are powerful enough to shove, to change the direction of the future of the apocalypse. Ideas have power. And Dave, being one of my editors, knows that this is one of the themes in season four, conflicting visions of the future. So anyhow, I've been plowing through these stories, and they are, for the most part, really good. So I went out and found and bought the Wastelands 1 book and some other book called Wastelands, which had more stories in it, so I love short stories. I do remember watching the movie, the Postman movie, back when it came out, and I remember it being okay. I remember it had Tom Petty in it. May he rest in peace. But more importantly, this is not our first brush with the author, David Brent. We have spoken about his Uplift series on this podcast before, and I have read Sundiver and Star Tide Rising from that series. But Mr. Brent, he deserves some, some more conversation because writing award-winning science fiction is his hobby. He's a bona fide practitioner with a degree in astronomy, a master's in electrical engineering, a doctorate in philosophy and astronomy, and has worked with JPL and NASA, among other luminaries. So, David, if you're listening, thank you for your work. I kind of wish I was in San Diego this month, where you are, instead of in New England, trying to warm my hands enough to type in the morning. So, you know, if you want to invite me over... We'll go down to the old city, have a cup of coffee in one of those cutesy little cafes. I'd appreciate it. I could use the I could use the trip. Alrighty, brothers and sisters of the apocalypse. Links to everything I'm talking about are in the show notes. If you like what we do and want to support the show, there's plenty of ways. The best way probably is to just go to our website at oldmanapocalypse.com. Find all the links and ways there. If you want these outros, if you like them so much, you want them in your inbox as an email with all the clickable links, you can subscribe to that on the website as well. But 
this time of year, you need to make sure that you chip the ice from the bunker's antennae so the wasteland winds don't crumple our only source of communication with the outside world. And whatever you do, keep surviving.